0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord and to be with one another as we fellowship with God together. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind you of our attendance sheets uh, that are on each row. Like to ask if you would to uh, please take that and to fill it out with any information you feel comfortable with giving to us, and um, and we'd love to have uh, some information about who's here and who's not here, and and if you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Pass it down the row, and uh, if you don't know somebody on your row, try to take take note of what their name is so you can call them by name after the worship service. We will be beginning a new. Wednesday Bible study on this Wednesday, and it's called Klesis, K L E S I S. And it comes from the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. And what we will be studying during this uh, Bible study time is the call, our call to follow Christ, and our call to discover who we are in that relationship with Christ, and our call to serve God uh, through the ministries that we are called to. And so this will be an interesting Bible study, an inspiring Bible study, I certainly hope. And, um, and that will be beginning uh, this Wednesday uh, right after our fellowship meal uh, at 630. So I hope you can come and join us for that. Another announcement, um, Summer, is moving. When are you moving? Next week. Next week. Next week. They, are, they are moving next week. And I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but Summer moved here from Australia. That's kind of a long way off. And yeah, there's David over there. That's her husband. He's, he's actually Australian, mate. <laughs> yeah. Which is not to be confused with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is Austrian. But he's Australian. But anyway, uh, all of that is to say that they moved a long way to come here to uh, to, to Henderson, the Henderson area. And they're going to be moving into uh, a, a townhome, I think, uh, next week. But since they moved here all the way from Australia, it was pretty un- unpractical for them to move all their stuff here. And so is this true to say you don't have much stuff She has two cribs and a washer and dryer. This is going to be an easy move, folks. (laughs) The point of all that is that we want them to have more stuff. Now I know I preached a few weeks ago about having too much stuff, but she doesn't have enough stuff. And so we want to help her with some of our stuff. So if you have any stuff in your garage, any furniture that, any uh, uh, anything that that you can bring, uh, as long as some decent things, you know, we don't want uh, want your garbage or anything, but do you? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> One man's trash is another man's trash. Good garbage. But but if you have some some furniture that you're not going to be using, uh, bring it here to the church, and and also. Uh, we, we're going to be taking some donations, you know, so we can buy some, or so that she, can, she and David can buy some towels and sheets and things like that for, uh, huh? well, we are glad to do that. We are glad to do that because you're very special to us, and, and, and we're, we're glad to do that. So we'll take uh, any of your stuff or any donations, just bring it by the church or just make sure that it's uh, noted that it's for, for Summer and David there, and we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, she's added a lot to our music ministry, and so we're glad uh, to help out in this way. Um, also, speaking of our music ministry, tonight uh, we are going to be having a special service here at 6.30. We have uh, purchased some new hymnals for our choir, um, and we're going to be dedicating those hymnals tonight with a special service, mostly a musical service. We're going to be doing a lot of singing and uh, uh, I think our praise band's going to be doing some, and our choir is going to be doing some, and we're going to be doing a lot of congregational singing, uh, mostly singing things that that are in this new hymnal. And we're going to be dedicating this hymnal to uh, Barbara Hilliard. Uh, many of you know Barbara passed away a few months ago. She used to sit at that end seat right over there, and the day after uh, her funeral, the weekend after her funeral, or after she died, we put her choir robe and a hymnal there to uh, to remember her. She was a lady who was a um, a diehard music lover and she really loved music. She loved this church, she loved this choir. And so we're gonna be dedicating these hymnals to Barbara. So that'll be tonight at 6.30. We'll have a good time together and, and share this time together and hope you can be there uh, this evening. Uh, one other thing, I, I hope that everyone will be mindful today of, of Susie Watkins. Um, Henderson has has truly had a great loss this weekend with the loss of, uh, of Sandy Watkins. Um, he died suddenly on Friday evening, and and uh, his his passing has left a big hole in our county. Uh, he was a friend to Henderson County. He was a, a friend to our church, and so. Help us and to keep their their family in our prayers um, uh, as as we go through our day. Let's spend a moment of greeting each other in the name of the Lord. Let's just stand up and shake each other's hand and share the love of Christ with one another.
1: Hello, choir.
2: Stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He? And together we sing. Holy is the Lord. Come on down, children. Boys and girls, here this
3: morning.
1: They're looking for you.
3: They're looking. Okay. So we got coming and sit down. Have several today. Great. We have some. Wanna sit here on the carpet with me? I don't bite. I promise. Oh, slide in.
1: Knew.
3: See, well, we're glad to have you today. You know, it's no accident that you're here today. Um, it was a, a deliberate attempt for your parents or your parent people in your life that you came here today. Let's say thank you to them. Thank you, parents or parent people, for making sure we're in church today. No, okay. <laughs> well, let me tell you about something. You know, usually when I come and talk to you, um, there's, there's one thing that I really like um to can we we'll pray in a minute we'll pray in just a second play yes that's right i play the organ that's true thank you i love that instrument i love the praises that it makes but there's one thing that i like just as much as that organ and that's my bicycle you anytime i usually have a chance to talk i usually say something about my bicycle My bicycle takes me so many places and I was so excited this morning because today is National Ride Your Bike to Church Sunday. All over the United States, people were riding their bicycles to church. So I did that this morning. It was a wonderful experience. My bicycle's back there in the back corner. I'd have brought it down and showed it to you, but it's just a regular bicycle. But it was a lot of fun. Why do I like to ride a bicycle? Because it slows me down and it gives me a chance to see little things that I might not see if I was driving a vehicle. Isn't that cool? We go, in a, when we're in a car sometimes, we're going so fast, and we just don't get the opportunity to see everything that um, you can see on a bicycle. But you go too fast? Well, you can't go very fast on a bicycle. I can do them fast. You can do them fast, okay. <laughs> well, one of my favorite places to bicycle in Henderson County is a place called the Sloughs of Henderson County. It's south of town uh, by Smith Mills in Geneva, Kentucky. And when I'm riding my bicycle along back there by the sloughs, I get to see some of the most incredible pieces of wildlife. I saw some turkeys one day. One of the turkeys kind of flew down in front of me. I get to see deer. I get to see little turtles. I get to see birds. And that's things that we don't I miss. Turkeys. You saw turkeys? Yeah, Wild turkeys? My yard. In your backyard, uh-huh. okay. Do y'all ride bicycles? Do y'all ride? Okay. Be sure when you ride your bicycles that you wear your helmets and look for cars and obey. That you know you have a driver's license. When you ride a bicycle, you have a driver's license that you have to follow the same rules of an automobile. So be be safe whenever you're riding your bicycle too. But you have a, a, a license to ride a bicycle, and we have to follow the same rules. That is if you were uh, driving an automobile. So the lesson I want to teach you out of that is that it lets us see the little things. Another little thing that I saw this morning, I live in front of one of the most famous parks in Henderson, Kentucky. a play park, Sunset Park in Henderson. And I looked down there this morning and it was so beautifully clean. And then a few minutes later, the park worker came and she took two bags of trash out of that park. I was like, my goodness, how did she find all of that trash? It looked clean to me. Guess what? It was little bits of trash all over that park. And then when she pulled it together, it made two great big bags of trash. So little things count. And when you see trash out, pick it up because it actually turns into to big trash. But, so, but when it has barbecuts for the school, that's right. You need to save those and recycle them. That's wonderful. Yes. But just a, And when you save those recycled caps, your little cap's not going to make much of a difference. But you can get a whole bunch of them and it makes a big difference, right? Right. So little things that you can do to make big differences in people's lives. One little thing that you can do for others is smile, Right. Yes, you can smile. So that's a little thing that turns into something big, right? And, and then your little people right now, and guess what? You're going to turn into big people. So little things make big. That's what I want to leave you with today is little things like little bits of trash and being, being slow on the bicycle and little bottle caps can turn into a big recycling project. Let's pray real quick, and we can go to, uh, back to our seats, okay? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come here this morning and to worship you. And we thank you for little people that will be big people. And Lord, help us to be last and to be small so we can show your big grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Go back to your seats. Candy? I'm not the candy man. I am not the candy man. Sorry.
4: comes from the book of Luke, chapter 16. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gates lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. For I am in agony in those flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one else can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they may not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets, They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Let us pray. Loving God, we stand before you this morning giving you thanks that we can. Giving you thanks that you are such a loving God that you beckon us before you. God, we ask your grace and your mercy in your arms around Sandy Watkins' family. I ask that you give them peace and comfort. It is hard, oh God, when it is expected. It's worse when you don't see it coming. Bless them today. And today, God, we bring our own hurts to be healed. We bring our own hearts to be blessed. We bring our own lives to be led by you wherever you need us to go. So, God, we want to be instruments of your peace. Use us to provide your healing. Use us to offer your blessing. Use us to lead others to you. Bless us today, O God. Thank you for loving us. And God, we love you too. Amen.
3: One of the things I like about singing the old hymns is is you remember singing them in other places. That song takes me back to high school youth choir that we sang it a lot of times at Sunday morning church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us here together to worship you and to remember that what Christ has done for us. We pray that this offering will be used for your glory and to take the gospel to those who haven't heard it or received it. In his name we
4: pray. Amen.
0: I heard a story not long ago about an OBGYN doctor who called another OBGYN to ask him a favor. He said, "My wife has been having some abdominal problems and she's uh, in particular discomfort this afternoon, and I don't want to treat my own wife, so I was wondering if I could bring her in and you could take a look at her for me and so the other specialist invited the doctor to bring his wife in for an examination. And when, when he did, he discovered, are you ready for this? He discovered that she was six months pregnant. It seems that her obstetrician husband was so busy caring for other patients that he hadn't even noticed that his own wife was pregnant. Have you ever noticed that some people are just absolutely clueless about some very important things? You ever notice that? One man said that his wife doesn't complain very often, but, but once they were having an old-fashioned heart-to-heart discussion, and she said, "Hun, you never listen to me. Every time I try to talk to you, you you get this far away look in your eyes after only a few seconds. Please promise me that that you'll try to work on that. And he says that the last thing he remembers was replying, I'm sorry, what was that that you said? (laughs) I'm sure that many wives would say that their husbands are clueless. None here, of course, but uh, some would say that their husbands are, are clueless. I heard about one woman who says that She and her husband were snuggled together on the floor one chilly winter evening watching television together. And and during a commercial, she says that he reached over and gave her foot a gentle squeeze. And she said, "Mm, that's so sweet. And the husband replied, well, actually, I thought your foot was the remote. You know, I think he should have left well enough alone. According to Pastor Rick Warren, there's a little structure deep within our brain called the reticular activating system. And apparently the reticular activating system basically acts as our brain's filter It allows us to filter through all of the sensory stimuli that we receive and focus only on those things that are important to us. For example, the reticular activating system allows us to filter out the hum of the air air conditioning system or the, the itchy sweater that we are wearing or the flickering light overhead so that we can focus all of our attention on the pastor's sermon. But there are three types of information that are so important that they automatically get through our built-in filter. And those types of information are things that are unique, things that we value, and things that we find threatening. For example, let's say that, that you're in a business meeting and you're focusing all of your attention on your boss's speech when suddenly the coffee pot behind you blows up. Well, you would almost certainly notice that the coffee pot behind you is blowing up because this would be something that's both unique and threatening to you. Or let's say that you're working on a big project at home and and you hear a little squeal coming from your baby's room. You will naturally notice that, that tiny little sound because you are automatically attuned to your baby because she's valuable to you. And therefore, you notice anything that's connected to her. Well, all of this is due to the reticular activating system. Things that are unique, things that are of value to us and things that we may find threatening. Now, Jesus told a parable about a rich man who was living his life in absolute luxury. But there was also a poor beggar named Lazarus who sat at the rich man's gates, hoping for just some table scraps from the rich man's feasts. And we are told that Lazarus was covered with sores and he lay there day after day in misery. Well, every day when the rich man left his estate, he had to pass right by Lazarus. And do you think that he ever paid any attention to him? It doesn't seem so. For you see, his reticular activating system probably just filtered this poor man out of the scene because Lazarus was a nobody to him. And if he noticed him at all, it was probably as an object of disgust. But you know something? It's interesting to me that in Jesus' parable, we know Lazarus' name, but we don't know the rich man's name. I wonder if that could be a clue to us as to who counts in God's reticular activating system. I don't know. For the time came when the rich man did notice Lazarus. Because Jesus tells us that when the beggar died, he, the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died, but he didn't go to Abraham's side. Instead, he found himself languishing in hell. And from this realm of torment, he he looked up and he saw Abraham far away. And the rich man could not believe his eyes. There at Abraham's side was this poor beggar who had been laying outside of his gates. This man of no importance, this man of no consequence, Lazarus. And while the rich man languished in hell... Lazarus was living it up in glory. Now, this is a parable and not an allegory. So we should not take this as a literal picture of heaven or hell. But in this parable, the rich man could could look into heaven from his place in hell. And he, he called out to Abraham and he said, Father, Abraham, have pity on me. Now, listen to this. He said, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in some water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Did you hear that? This rich man still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. He still thought that Lazarus was a nobody. He still thought that Lazarus was somebody who ought to be serving him. He was absolutely clueless about the ways of the kingdom of God. You know, those things like first equals last and the greatest of all will be the servant of all. Well, Abraham reminds the rich man that during his lifetime, he had many nice things while Lazarus had nothing. Besides, he says, there's this chasm between heaven and hell that cannot be crossed. So, in other words, it was too late for this rich man. His fate had been sealed. He had turned his head too many times when he ignored the beggar by his gate. Well, the rich man still didn't get it. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment like I have. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And the rich man said, no, they won't listen to Abraham and the prophets. But if someone comes from the dead and goes to them, they'll listen. And Abraham said, no, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Wow. Now this is truly A powerful parable, isn't it? And if we took it literally, it would be a scary parable. And it raises for us what I think is a very important truth. If we are to be true to the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish. And here it is. Are there people in your world that you don't even see? Are there people in your world that you don't even see? Needy people, (coughs) hurting people, people who need your attention, the homeless, the addict, the mentally ill. The lonely. You know actually if we think about it. They're everywhere. Some of them may be within our own families. Or, or next door. Or in the next cubicle at our office. And, and they may not be covered with sores. And there may not be dogs licking their sores. But but you can see the, the hurt in their eyes. If you look. And you know that. That there's something within them in need. One of the most remarkable men who has ever served our nation was a man known as a Rough Rider. His name was Theodore Roosevelt. And a part of the mythology surrounding this outdoorsman was that as a child he was very sickly and suffered from asthma. According to the stories, he overcame his asthma through a rigorous regimen of physical activities, including bodybuilding and boxing. But, but in reality, according to his biographer, David McCullough, Teddy Roosevelt had stopped suffering from asthma long before he took up his athletic activities. In fact, it seems that the main factor in his physical recovery was his removal from his family setting. When he went to Harvard, says McCullough, his illness magically disappeared. In fact, there was a, there's a good question as to whether Roosevelt ever suffered from asthma at all. For one thing, he said, his, his so-called attacks always seemed to happen on Sundays. Coincidentally, Sunday was the only day of the week that Roosevelt's father was home and could take care of him. And and so many people have speculated that the attacks may have been simply an attention-getting device from a son who craved his father's affection. And if his attacks were a device for getting his father's attention, they certainly worked very well. That could be why all of his life, Theodore Roosevelt loved the limelight. His son uh said about him later he said when father goes to a wedding he wants to be the bride and when he goes to a funeral he wants to be the corpse he always wanted to be the center of attention he always craved that attention have you ever been around a child who starved for attention well folks they're on every playground and some of them can can really be a nuisance (laughs) And some of them, if they don't get the attention that they crave, they they may end up being a lifelong problem for our society. But, of course, children are not the only ones who are starved for attention. Spouses, aged family members, shut-ins, people with disabilities. But, my friends, too often our reticular activating system filters them out. And they're not even on our radar screens. They they can't serve our needs, so we don't even see them. And it happens all the time. We're in a hurry. We've got places to go. We've got people to meet. We've got goals to accomplish. And, And like that gynecologist with the pregnant wife, we don't even see what is right in front of us. And that, my friends, is a problem. It is a deep spiritual problem. For you see, God tells us that the ultimate way that we can express our love for God is to engage ourselves in loving our fellow human beings and especially those who are in need among us and those who are sitting right outside the gates of our consciousness. For you see, Love sees. That's the first thing that we need to understand from this parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Love sees. The rich man passed by this poor beggar every single day, but he never really saw him until it was too late. And that tells me that you and I need to learn how to train our eyes to really and truly see those who are around us. And I know that being sensitive to others is not something that always comes naturally to most of us. It's something we have to work at. In fact, it's something we have to work at if we are to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The wife of English English statesman Benjamin Disraeli made a secret arrangement with one of her husband's associates. This man was to inform her at the end of the day if that day had been a particularly stressful day for Disraeli or not. And she knew that on those days that were particularly stressful for him, her, uh, he, would be, he would come home very tired, he would be dispirited, and he would need her special attention and support. And so whenever she she heard that it had been a bad day for her husband, Mrs. Disraeli went all throughout the house and turned on every lamp that they had, knowing that the twinkling lights of the house always lifted her husband's spirits and, and chased away the problems of the day. This was a system that Mrs. Disraeli had devised in order to be sensitive to her husband's needs. Just a small thing. But you know something, just like what Nibby was talking about a little while ago, those small things add up to big things, don't they? And being sensitive to the needs of others is something that we all need to work out, work at, because love sees. Then the second thing that this parable teaches us is that love acts. Not only did this rich man not even see Lazarus at his gates, but, but there's no indication that he ever actually did anything to help Lazarus. All he did was to turn a blind eye to him. He never did anything. Alexander Wolcott, the highly regarded commentator of the New Yorker magazine, had a special friend that he always took a, a special gift to. His friend's name was Helen Keller. Most of you remember this name. Helen Keller was a special lady. She could neither see nor hear. But she was still an outstanding author and speaker. And Walcott knew that, that beautiful flowers would, would not mean anything to a blind woman. And so he went, when he went to see her, he always took Helen a huge bunch of geranium leaves and the reason why is because these leaves emit a fresh, spicy fragrance fragrance that, that he knew that Helen enjoyed very much. And so Wolcott learned one of the greatest lessons of caring, and that is fit the gift to the recipient. And that takes a very special talent, or a very, very special level of sensitivity. because you see, love sees, and love acts. And the third thing from this parable that this parable teaches us is that love heals. How often at a funeral have we seen people who are torn apart by guilt? And they feel guilty not because they've ever said anything mean about the deceased, and they certainly have never abused their loved one in any way except maybe through neglect. But how often do you hear things like, I should have been there. I should have done this. I should have done that. I just didn't realize. But you know, on the flip side of that, it's so wonderful at a time like that to know that we've done everything that we should have done. We saw. We cared. We showed our love. And there's great healing in the knowledge that we did what we should have done. A wonderful preacher of the gospel, Fred Craddock, tells of a time when he and Mrs. Craddock had a guest in their home who was spending the night. And as Fred was reading the paper, his guest got down on the floor and played with their children and taught them a new game. And Fred thought to himself, how long has it been since I came home from work and got down on the floor and played with my kids and taught them a new game? He said that he felt himself judged by his guest's Actions. Then after dinner, the guests said to Mrs. Craddock, Boy, I certainly appreciated that meal. That was such a wonderful, wonderful dinner. Thanks for all your hard work in preparing that meal. And then Fred tried to remember the last time that he had said to his wife how much he appreciated her hard work to provide such a wonderful meal. He says he thinks it was 1949. And he was judged again by his guest's actions. Well, after supper, the guest went for a walk, and he he came back in a little while, and he said, "Oh, those are nice folks next door. I met Mr. Jung and his wife from Seoul. Very nice young couple." And and Fred said, "I had heard that there were some Koreans had who had moved in down the street, but I didn't know them." And when he said their names, I was judged. Just a familiar pattern, says, says Craddock. Come home, read the paper, eat supper. And then there, here comes this stranger, and everything suddenly looks different. And I think, where in the world have I been? And I'm convicted to be more aware and more active in the lives of the people around me. Love sees. Love acts. And love heals. Now we have no indication that this rich man was a bad man. He was just clueless. He didn't see. He didn't act. And because of that, he missed out on the opportunity for God's healing grace to be experienced. Not only in Lazarus' life. But also in his and I only hope that we will be inspired by this beautiful, challenging story to look closer at the people around us, to be aware, to be sensitive. Is there a hint of sadness of, or want in their eyes? Is there someone at our gate that we're overlooking and I hope that when we see the need that is there, that we will be equally inspired to do something, to help, rather than just turn a blind eye. For my, my friends, in, in doing something to help, we bring healing, not only to the person that we help, but also for ourselves as we heal our own broken souls. And in doing this, we are following the ways of Christ. May it always be so in our lives. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. "O God of love, enable me, number 580. And uh, that's such an appropriate song for us today because... That's what we need. We need to be enabled to see and to act and to heal. We need to be enabled to open our eyes. And, folks, it's not something that's natural for us to do. In order for us to do this, we need to be totally aware of our surroundings. And instead of filtering out those people who have needs around us, we need to train our eyes upon them and to be asking the question, what can I do to help this person? Do they need something from me? Do they need my time? Do they need a smile? Do they they need an encouraging word? Do they need a word from the Lord that I can provide for them? We need to be aware and enabled So that we may be the people that Christ wants us to be. If God is dealing in your heart in any way today. We invite you to make a commitment to Christ. Perhaps you've never done that before. We invite you to say yes to this Christ who's called us to to look hard at the people around us. And to act. God calls us all to do that. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and fell into our fellowship as we try to look at our world around us and to minister to the needs that we see. We truly try to do that. We don't always do it perfectly. But we try. Or perhaps God has something else on your heart and maybe you just need a time of prayer today. We invite you to come and pray god's dealing in your heart in any way we invite you to come as we sing oh god of love enable me would you come God has been with us, guiding our thoughts, inspiring our words, and reviving our spirits. May we go in the knowledge that God will love the chance to accompany each of our thoughts and words and deeds as this week unfolds. Guide our thoughts, O Lord, that they may be filled with the knowledge of your presence guide our words that all who hear them are drawn closer to you and guide our actions that you are evident in all that we do or leave undone may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and the deeds we perform be pleasing and acceptable in your sight O lord amen